It's our privilege to make these messages available to you. We pray that the Word of God will richly bless you. So let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 2, where we left off last week, studying the baptism in the Holy Ghost, baptism in the Spirit, as the Bible explains with the evidence. Everybody say evidence. You say, well, is there any evidence of the new birth? Yeah, it's you. Your life should be the evidence of the new birth. You're the new creature in Christ. Old things pass away. All things have become new. There should be things you quit doing, things you no longer desire to do because the desire is gone. Amen. And things you begin to do. The Bible calls the new birth is like a wellspring up on the inside. New birth is for you. But the baptism in the Holy Ghost is to empower you for service. And I want you to know, as we said last week, it is probably the most resisted doctrine in the body of Christ. They'll make you, you know, want to think that you're, uh, uh, that you're crazy, that you've lost your mind, that if you, uh, you know, if you speak in tongues, you need to go to, you know, some kind of psychiatrist. And prob- the problem is a lot of religion teach, teaches that if, you, uh, uh, that if you speak in tongues, you got a devil. Well, how many ever served the devil? How much did you speak in tongues? I mean, you're not going to go down here to the, you know, hard times and misery bar, you know, Sunday afternoon about 8, 30, 9 o'clock tonight, and people in there going, you won't find it. Amen. The Bible says if you're evil and your son asks for bread, you're going to give him a stone if you're evil. Uh, if you ask for a fish, you're going to give him a serpent. How much more shall the Heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to those that ask? Amen. Amen. It, is a, it is an empowerment of the Spirit, and every believer needs it. Every believer needs it. So we looked last week at the two different dimensions. Verse 2 says, well, we'll just start in verse 1. The day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound. Everybody say sound. Now notice where it came from. came from heaven came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Now notice, this is what we looked at last week. And it filled the house. The house needs to be full of the presence of God, of the tangible power of the Holy Ghost. Lee and I were at Oral Roberts University Tuesday afternoon. And I'm telling you, when we stepped out of the car, we stepped into the tangible presence of the Holy Ghost. And the further we went, the stronger it got. To the point when we got up in that prayer tower, we were on our knees with tears coming down our eyes because the presence of God was so strong. I mean, it's just amazing. You say, why? I wonder why the presence of God is there. Because Oral Roberts was filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. Amen. The presence of God loves to come and manifest among those who obey the Word of God. Now, remember, we looked last week in Acts chapter 1 where it was a command of the Lord Jesus Christ, Acts 1, 4. Amen. Then Acts 1 8 said, You shall receive power. Everybody say power. Now that's the word dunamis or dunamis, which actually we get the word dynamite from. That's an outward explosion of power. And I'm telling you, every person that's been filled with the Holy Ghost and walks in the power of that Spirit, I guarantee you, they have that outward explosion of power in their life. You say, Well, Pastor, we need power in our business. You need to pray in tongues. Say, I need power in my family. You need to pray in tongues. Say, I need power in my, in my walk with the Lord. You need to pray in the Holy Ghost. You need to pray in tongues. Every person that will pray in the Spirit will be empowered for whatever endeavor God has put into their life. Amen? Now, 
Suddenly there came a, a sound from, and it says, then there appeared unto them. So we've got a sound and an appearance. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. Now let me just hit that for a minute and run. The cloven means two. Everybody say two. Now, just like there's a twofold working of the Spirit of God, or should be a twofold working of the Spirit of God in the life of every believer, there are two unique workings of tongues in the body of Christ. First is the initial evidence of being baptized in the Holy Ghost. You speak in a language which you have not intellectually learned. The Holy Ghost does not do it for you. God does not get a hold of your tongue. He gives you, we'll see in just a minute, minute, an utterance, and you must yield to that utterance. As you yield to that utterance, you develop in the Spirit. Without yielding to the utterance, all you'll have is an experience at the altar. You'll say a shika baba, and then you'll go sit down, and that'll be all there is to it. But the good news is, getting filled with the Spirit is something that needs to be perpetual. Every day I get filled with the Holy Ghost. You say, what do you mean? You have the same experience that you had when you were seven? No, I just begin to pray in the Spirit. I begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, and I let the Spirit of God fill me back up. You say, why? Because it gets used up. Just like charging a battery or filling a car with gasoline. You don't go down buy, go down, buy a brand new car, fill it full of gas, drive it, then the gas runs out. You park on the side, well, I had a new car. It was running real good, but the gas ran out. What do you do? Fill it up. Everybody say, fill it up. Now notice these are tangible things. There is the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues, which is the proof that you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Then there's the gift of tongues. Now not everybody is used in the gift of tongues. Nobody possesses that gift, but it works in people as the Spirit wills. Sister Pat flows in it. Brother Allen flows in it. Brother Danny flows in it. Uh, ben Williams flows in it. Dad flows in it. Sister Ella uh, 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 Brunt flows in it. Different ones in the body here flow in that gift. They don't possess that gift. Their vessels are, are, are available to be used in that gift. You say, well, I want to I flow in that gift. Then, then pray in the Spirit. All of the people that I just named are people that pray in tongues every day. Amen? Come on, church. I'm telling you, praying the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Spirit will start operating in your life. Now, there appeared cloven tongues. Now, notice what it said. Cloven tongues, not, of a, not as of ice, but of what? But of what? Fire. Everybody say fire. Listen, the element of fire needs to come back into the church. That's why we're making some of the changes that we're making here at Island Church because I started praying at the first of the year. God, there's not enough fire here. There's not enough fire here. The fire that we do have, blow on it. Make it, make it, make it flame up. Come on, church. Make it begin to burn hotter than it ever has. Fire has a unique ability. Number one, fire will take you out of your character. Amen. I mean, you could put fire on a, on a particular appendage of your body and know what you, no matter what you try to do, that appendage of your body will do what it wants to do because there's fire on it. I know from experience. I was on, don't try this at home, amen. Uh, but I did it myself. I was on a, how many know what the Royal Rangers are? Anybody know what that is? That's, a, that's like a, a Boy Scouts of the Assemblies of God. I was on a Royal Ranger camp out. I was about 12 years old. And so I took lighter fluid and put it on my hand. I was gonna be cool, you know, and lit it on fire. So I stood there for about three seconds. One, two, three. And then all the lighter fluid burned off and the fire began to look for an alternate source of fuel. What did it find? My skin. So I, my hand, I didn't think of doing this. 
I didn't plan to do this, but automatically my hands started doing this. You say, why? There was fire on it. I'm going to let that sink in a minute. Because some of you, as the Spirit has moved over the years, you sat in the chair like this. One, two, three. And then the Holy Ghost says, move, and you just sit there. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll pick that up later. That might help you. Verse four. Let's go to verse four before I get ahead of myself. Verse four. And. Everybody say and. I mean, it's connected to the other verses. And two ushers, an associate minister, and the pastor's wife were filled with the Holy Ghost. No, notice what it says. And they were all, now notice what it says, filled with the Holy Ghost. Now let me try that again. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now the distraction over the years has been the tongues part. Well, you know, I don't know if I want them tongues. First of all, we're not derogatory around here. It's not them tongues. It's being filled with the Holy Ghost. Because the first thing the Spirit of God does, it comes and fills you. Then it takes over your vocal capacity. Now, here's the problem. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And we can say it like this. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You're the one that speaks. He gives you the utterance. He fills you up. But you're the one that speaks. You're the one that must, you are the one that must yield to it. Can I get a better amen than that? But now here's something that we must understand. The unique spiritual phenomena that is a physical miracle is the ability for you to speak in a language in which you have not intellectually learned. You know, it's unique since we were at Oral Roberts uh, uh, this week. uh, When they had a medical school there, they studied this. There are two things that super energize your immune system. Do you know what they are? Two things. Now, they studied this at Old Roberts University medically. There are two things that super energize your immune system. One is laughter. One is laughter. I notice the Spirit of God will start moving. People will start laughing. Second is praying in tongues. So if you can start laughing, praying in the Holy Ghost, you can fight off any sickness and disease. It just super supercharges your immune system. Amen? Now, now, Your ability to speak is unique to us as a species. Cows don't talk. Horses don't talk. Bobo doesn't talk, your little dog. Amen. You say, oh, he does. No, he doesn't. They do not. There's not, listen, there's not a canine language. There's not a feline language. There's not a duck language. There's not a goose language. There's not a cow. When a cow says moo, another cow hears moo. Did you get that? I mean, when one cow says moo, the other, was a, the other one does not hear, hey, you're eating in my grass. <laughs> they, they don't have words. We're unique in that we are made in the likeness and the image of God, and God is a God of his word, so you are an individual of your word. Now, most of the time, hopefully, most of the time, your tongue is connected to your intellect, to your mind, so you're able to to, to, to think, everybody say think, assimilate a thought, and then transmit it. Did you get that? Think, assimilate, everybody say assimilate. I know that's a big word. 
That means to, you know, to take it and to, and to make it into something transferable. You assimilate a thought and then you transfer. Uh, maybe, maybe, like, like Brother Roland has a nice tie on. So maybe I'm thinking, you know, at the end of the service, I want to compliment Brother Roland on his tie. So I have a thought. So my mind is able to assimilate that thought on how to give a compliment for it. To, so he passes by on the way out or something. Say, hey, Roland, by the way, nice tie. Now I've said something to him which he understands. Proof that my tongue was connected to my thought process or my intellect. But your tongue is a unique animal. Who calls it an animal? James, the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, says it's an animal. It has a disconnect ability. Now let me say that again. It has a disconnect. You say, what do you mean a disconnect? Has you, have you ever said something you wished you'd never said? How about this? Have you ever said something that if you'd have just thought about it, you wouldn't have said that? Amen. Amen. Your tongue can disconnect from your mind and it can hook to your anger. It can hook to your frustration. It can hook to your fear. It can, listen, it can hook to your depression. It can hook itself to a bottle of tequila. Y'all look at me so innocent. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It can hook to drugs. It can hook itself to anything like that, proving the ability of the tongue to do what? To disconnect. So God uses that as an advantage for the body of Christ by through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When the Spirit of God comes upon you, God disconnects your tongue from your mind, from your fear, from your emotions, from your disappointment, from the bottle of tequila, from the marijuana, from whatever it is. He disconnects it from that and hooks it to your human spirit. Amen. So wait a second. I, I thought he hooked it to the Holy Spirit. No, he hooks it to your human spirit. Because your human spirit has no communicative ability outside of the intellect. Are you with me? But this phenomenon of being filled with the Holy Ghost is God's ability to hook your tongue to your human spirit. Why? Who's in your human spirit? Oh, somebody's going to get this and you're going you're to start praying in tongues every day. Who is in your human spirit? The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Almighty God is in your human spirit. And God wants you speaking in a heavenly language. He wants you speaking in the tongues of men and angels. He wants the Spirit of God working in you, but he also wants the Spirit of God working through you. So when you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, it's like a spiritual dynamo coming out of your human spirit. You say, well, I want to understand it. No, your mind talk you out of everything you pray in the Spirit. Because you pray mysteries, you always pray the Word of God. And the Bible says in the book of Jude, we build ourselves up on our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Literally, it's like a battery charger energizing you to help you do the will and the work of God in your life. I'm telling you, if you're dealing with money, if you're a businessman, if you need insight, if you're, if you're uh, wanting to know things, I'm telling you, if you'll begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, the power of God, the anointing of God will cause your mind to be enlightened by your spirit. You'll pray things out in the spirit, and next thing you know, it'll happen and manifest, and you'll think, where's that coming from? It's coming from the Holy Ghost in you because you're yielding to it. Amen. Our reputation in ministry when we traveled was kind of unique. A lot of evangelists that I knew would develop a series of teachings and then go from church to church with it. We were not like that. We, we, I would spend hours praying in the Spirit over certain services I was to conduct. Many of our services were Sunday through Wednesday, two services a day. Now, without exception, many of the pastors, many of them come to our 
Fall Harvest Conference that used to uh, host our ministry when we were in the field. Without exception, many of them would make this statement. Rusty, how did you know how to preach that in my church? Because many times the Spirit of God would address certain situations, certain problems, uh, uh, the vision of the church, uh, things that would be going on in the community. All kinds of information would come through me, and I'm just a vessel, that's all I am. I'm nobody special. But because I was willing to yield to the Holy Ghost, He would show me things to come and prepare me for that which I was stepping into. And in so doing, it always added a supernatural element to what God was doing in the midst of those meetings. Now, the same thing's true of you. You say, what do you mean? You can get supernatural insight. Yeah, yeah, listen, if you've been stuck in the same old, same old for years, you need to start praying in the Spirit. You say, in my job, I'm just stuck in a rut. I'm stuck in the same old. You say, why are we doing all these changes here at Island Church? Why can't we just keep things the way they are? Because I've been praying in the Spirit, and this is what the Holy Ghost has said to do. And you watch, by the end of the year, we're going to experience some things in this church that the Holy Ghost has scheduled for us because we prayed it out in the Spirit and obeying God. The same thing will work in your business. It'll work in your marriage. It'll work with your children. It'll work in every area of your life. My, uh, the, 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 I'm, I'm uh, writing a book right now on, uh, on, on people's relationship to their church and pastor. It's called The Pulpit of You from the Pew. And I have uh, three pastors that I am kind of, uh, how would you call, kind of uh, leaning on their influence in my life. Our first pastor, uh, uh, Pastor Miss J.R. Goodwin. Uh, my second pastor, uh, pastors John and Dodie Osteen, and my third pastors, pastors Walter and Cindy Hallam. All, all very unique in their pastoral ministry. But now, the most unique out of the three is definitely John and Dodie Osteen. Now, here's the reason. Pastor John Osteen pastored Baptist churches for 19 years and more than likely was being groomed to take a major church in the Houston area. Because of a great crisis in their life, a child born with a birth defect, Pastor Osteen began to cry out for the power of God. He began to say to himself as he read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he began to say, I don't see this in my ministry. I don't see this in the church. I don't see healings. I don't see, uh, I don't see power. I don't see manifestations of the Holy Ghost. He taught us in Bible school. He said that while he was a Baptist pastor, he got up and taught on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, gifts of the Spirit. He said he taught the word of wisdom, uh, excuse me, the word of knowledge uh, being the great Baptist universities. Uh, the word of wisdom was their ability to impart knowledge to the students and show them how to use that knowledge. Uh, gifts of healing were the great Baptist hospitals that had been built all over the United. He said after about 30 minutes, he said a spirit of confusion came on me and I literally got in front of my church and said, let's come back tonight. I ain't got a clue what I'm talking about. Amen. His search for the miraculous, his search for the supernatural began and ended with the baptism in the Holy Ghost. When he got filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, he was in our first pastor's living room, brother and sister J.R. Goodwin. Mom Goodwin had his hand, her hand upon his head and brother Osteen got two words, Otolio. That was it. And he went and he got into a hotel room and he began to go, Otolio, 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 Otolio for several hours till the Holy Ghost fell on him and filled him fresh and full of the Holy Ghost. And now we've got Lakewood Church in its present form because of his pastoral influence on his son, Joel. Amen. And as we said last week, don't be embarrassed. Joel's a Holy Ghost tongue-talking Christian. Amen. Amen. 
You say, well, you really believe these things work like this? No one that has ever impacted the earth with a powerful move of God is somebody that has not been filled with the Holy Ghost. God uses those that are fully yielded to his spirit and fully yielded to his ability. And in this day and in this hour, with all the calamity that's going on in the earth, we need the Holy Ghost more than we've ever needed him in this baptismal form. Now, so the question comes in, uh, generational will, because denominations will teach, we believe that there was an outpouring of the Spirit. We believe that there was a move of the Spirit way back in biblical times. And that move of the Spirit was only for what they call the apostolic age. Are you with me? Some of y'all heard that. Some of y'all were raised under that type of doctrine. So they reject any type of manifestations of God today, which is a true sign of religion. Because religion will always rejoice and celebrate what God did a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago while denying what he's doing today. Amen. So let's look, look, look here. Since we're in Acts chapter two, go all the way down to verse 39. Now, this outpouring took place. The spirit of God came upon the, the, the 120 in the upper room. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they all began to speak with other tongues. Everybody say amen. Now, they fell out into the street. They looked like drunk people. You say, why? Because they were under the influence. The illustration that Jesus gave, which was a miracle illustration that he gave at the marriage supper when they ran out of wine. He took and had them fill those, how many was it? Uh, six firkins of water, which if you do the math, that's 120 gallons. Duh. Amen. Water is a type of what? The Word of God. So he's filled 120 gallons full of water, and then what did he do? He turned them into wine which is a type of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And one of the ways the Word of God in your life becomes something that you come under the influence of is by filling your vessel with the water of the Word, filling your vessel with the water of the Word, and then allowing yourself to be baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Not that it's an experience at the altar, but becomes your lifestyle where you pray in the Spirit all the time. You pray in the Spirit every day where sometimes you do it consciously, sometimes you do it unconsciously, but you're always praying in the the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, the generational question. He preaches the message, starts in the book of Joel, talks about the last days. They thought, listen, they thought Jesus was coming back any moment. They didn't think he's going to be gone that long. It's been 2,000 years. You say, well, is, is, is that relevant? All through the Word of God, the Bible shows us that this church dispensation would last about 3,000 years. Remember the, remember the parable of the, uh, 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 oh, what do we call him? The good Samaritan, where the keeper, where the, where the, where the, where the, where the good neighbor went and said, I'm going to pay for two days, and then if I, if I tarry, I'm going to give you, I'll pay when I come. Remember that? That's a type of the dispensation, 3,000-year dispensation. Now, let me, I said this in prayer last night. Maybe this will touch some of you. Jesus said, of those that lived, when the nation would be born in a day. Anybody remember that prophecy? That talks about the formation of nation of Israel. That was in 1948. How many remember that? Some of you may have been alive. Now, 2018 will be what? 70 years. You're not near as thrilled as I am. You say, what do you mean? That's a generation. 
And the Bible literally talks about this generation will not pass away till we see the coming of the Lord. Now notice, here, Peter begins to wind his message down. We know there were 3,000 that got saved. There may, I don't know how many thousands of could have been there. But he makes this statement in verse 39. He says, for the promise is unto you. Everybody say you. Now, we know the promise given becomes the gift. So we're not waiting around for the promise. It's been given. Now it's the gift. Everybody say the gift. And all a gift has to do is be received. Now the promise is unto you. So, so imagine I'm Peter and you're five or 6,000 people. So if I say the promise is unto you, that'd be you. All right, great. Praise God. But then he continues. Notice what he says this. The promise is unto you and to your children. So now we go multi-generational. So this, this idea of it being only for the apostolic age just got erased. He said, how'd it get erased? He said, it's to you and to your children. But now notice he doesn't stop there. And it says, to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So notice this, to all that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now this has what we call the Greek language of double reference. You say, what does that mean? That means afar off applies to not only distance, but time. That means we go 12,000 miles from the city of Jerusalem, approximately 3,000 years later, or 2,000 years later, and what do we have? It's the same promise. I said the same promise. As, all, for all, as, all, as many as the Lord, how many has God called you? Well, he calls everybody every time the gospel is preached. Then we have to have what we call biblical, literally, big, uh, 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 biblical confirmation. You say biblical confirmation. People say, what is that? Jesus said it. Moses said it, David said it, out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So is this an established word? Acts chapter 2. Well, we go to Acts chapter 8. You can turn there, go study it later. We have a man named Philip who was an evangelist. The Bible says he went down to Samaria and preached Christ. Everybody say Christ. Say it again. You can say it stronger than that. Say Christ. Oh, you can say it better. Say Christ. He went down to Samaria and preached Christ to them. And God gave demonstration of his message by many being saved, many that had the palsy were healed, and many that were demoniac got delivered. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 8, when Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they came down, laid their hands upon them that they might be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now in these meetings that Philip was preaching, a man who was a sorcerer, that means he dealt in the occult, had gotten saved. And he literally observed Peter and John laying hands upon these disciples. The Bible says when Simon saw that through the laying on of the Holy Ghost, or laying on the hands of the Holy Ghost was given, he said unto Peter and John, I'm going to give you money so you can give me that gift. And they said, your money perish with you. I trust he repented and got right and got filled with the Holy Ghost. But what did he see? Did he see people standing there with a warm glow? Did he see people, uh, did he see people uh, uh, just standing there with a big smile on their face? He saw them speaking in other tongues. Why? That is the evidence. Now, Acts chapter 9. We've got Saul of Tarsus. Tars he's a rascal. He's out there harassing the church. 
And the Bible says on the road to Damascus, a light shined from heaven, brighter than the noonday sun. Knocked him off his donkey. He got up and said, Lord. Everybody say, Lord. Lord. Well, all you got to do is call on the name of the Lord and you get saved. And God began to explain who he was, what he'd do. And he went to the street called Straight, was there three days and three nights fasting and praying. In this encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, a scale came over his eyes. Then God sent a disciple named Ananias, and the Bible says God spoke to Ananias, and Ananias told it to, 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 uh, to Saul of Tarshish, uh, I'm going to come, I'm going to pray for you, your eyes are going to be healed, but I'm going to lay hands on you, and you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. That's exactly what happened. He laid hands upon him, the scales fell off of his eyes, and he began to speak with other tongues. You say, now how do you know Paul did? Because he says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I speak with tongues more than you all trying to correct a problem between the two types of tongues in the church. So we've got Acts chapter 2, reference to the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 8 and 9, but we get to Acts chapter 10, which is the Gentiles. That's all us Heinz 57s. Amen. And we got a man named Cornelius. And the Bible says he's a devout man. He's one that feared God with all of his house. He's one that gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And God sent Peter down to his house. And the Bible says, while Peter spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them that heard the word. And, everybody say and. They begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them. So they're as plain as can be. Out of the mouth of how many witnesses? Well, we got two for sure now, and we got two references to it. Then we go to Acts chapter 19. And here comes that same guy, Saul of Tarsus, is now the apostle Paul. Now you say, why did he change his name? He just began to go by his Roman name. His Roman name was Paul. His Hebrew name was Saul. So according to his Roman name, it was easier for him to travel. So he comes to Ephesus, and he finds 12 men. He says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They said, we don't even know there. What, is, what is the Holy Ghost. He said, how were you baptized? They said, we were baptized unto John's baptism. He said, well, John baptized surely unto repentance, but there's one coming after him that's mightier. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And the Bible says the apostle Paul laid his hands upon them and they spoke with other tongues and prophesied. Now, Acts chapter 6 talks about the basic doctrines of Christ. The doctrine of faith, the doctrine of laying on of hands, the doctrine of eternal judgment, the doctrine of baptisms. Everybody say baptisms. Now, unique to the body of Christ is three baptisms. Number one, everybody say number one. Top of the list is baptism into the body of Christ. That's the new birth. Jesus said you must be born again. Subsequent to the new birth is the command of the Lord Jesus Christ to be endued with power. That is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Third is baptism in water. Now, a lot of people say, well, I was baptized in water. That's all I need. Honey, if all you were is baptized in water, you need to get saved. Amen. Because all baptism in water is without salvation is going in dry and coming out wet. Sinner both ways. Amen. But God wants you saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and baptized in water. He wants you totally immersed in his baptisms so that you can be totally immersed in God. Now, there have been great moves of God, great moves of the Spirit, the great Welsh revival, other areas of the world. But let's just talk about the United States for a minute because that's what we're involved in. 1907, a great outpouring. Everybody say outpouring. A great outpouring of the Holy Ghost happened through a man named William Seymour. 
William Seymour was African-American. He only had one eye. He'd come out with a box on his head. Wouldn't that be strange? And he'd sit there. And they'd begin the, with worship and praise and old hymns would be sung. Now, they had a little Bible in a, uh, in a place called Azusa, California, on Azusa Street. And they literally uh, could only hold 800 and they would do like five services a day. 800 people per day would be on the inside and up to 3,500 on the outside. Now, what was taking place and what was manifesting in that was this right here, the endowment of power. People were coming, denominational people, people that were people that were uh, just curious, people that, that wanted more of God, and they were being filled with the Holy Ghost. And the presence of God was so tangible, and the Spirit of God would come into that little 800-seat auditorium so tangible that children would try to get it in a jar and take it to school with them. Because you could see it, it was so tangible. It was so powerful. And that move that was three years on Azusa Street went around the world. A great man of God named John G. Lake got baptized in the Holy Ghost in that move and went and literally stopped the pneumonic plague in Africa. Literally stopped it by the power of God. Not only that, others received it. Out of that great move came the Four Square Church, came the Assemblies of God Church, came the Pentecostal Holiness Church, came all of the Pentecostal movements of our generation, came out of that move or that one outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Now, in the, in the 20s and 30s, God began, it seems like that kind of waned down in the 20s and 30s. Then God began to use different men. So to locate up in Houston, since we're in this area, there was a man that God raised up named Raymond T. Ritchie. Raymond T. Ritchie was used mightily of God in the 20s, the 30s, and into the 40s. Great healing revival took out all over Houston. At one point in the 30s, they had a parade through downtown Houston, 30 blocks long of trucks and cars full of beds and stretchers and wheelchairs and old iron lungs and old hearing aids and all kinds, and people walking by the thousands, worshiping and praising God and thanking Him for His mighty power. Then World War II hit. That's why we need to continually pray for peace. Because war is always an interruption to revival. You say, I believe we're fixing to have a war. I'm praying against it, honey. You say, why? Because we want revival. And if the church will pray and pray correctly, we're not going to have war. We'll have revival. Can I get a better amen? Now, right after World War II, God spoke to several people during World War II that there's going to be another outpouring, another move is coming. And sure enough, 1948, a great healing revival. Men like Kenneth E. Hagan, T.L. Osborne, Oral Roberts, uh, uh, William Brannan, Jack Cole, uh, uh, several others in which God, they're, they're do- they don't know near as much as you know. Their doctrine was at a very low level. I know of an individual, five-year-old boy, son of a pastor, who a man, the healing power of God was moving so strong that a man came to give a speech on communism in their church. And got up to give a speech on communism and said, before I do, I believe God's going to heal someone of blind eyes, total blindness. And this little five-year-old boy paid one of his friends a quarter to take him up. And God touched him and healed him. And he became a healing evangelist till he went on to be with the Lord. Name was Jerry B. Walker. Amen. Then all through the 50s, into the 60s, Catherine Kuhlman, it began to operate and manifest in the power of God. And then all of a sudden, another outpouring. Everybody say another outpouring. The charismatic revival broke out, which is very unique revival. Instead of lots of people getting healed and saved, people were getting filled with the Holy Ghost by the thousands in mass. 
uh, organizations like Full Gospel Businessmen, Women's Aglow, uh, even in the churches and other ministries. Uh, the great charismatic move took Baptists, Methodists, uh, Catholics, Episcopals, Lutherans, and just rank heathers and filled them with the Holy Ghost by the millions all over the world. When we first went to Ireland in 1988, Pastor Walter Hallam and myself, what we found was the remnants of that charismatic revival. We found a few Pentecostal experienced Catholics who had received the Holy Ghost and we took that and ran with that for 12 years and saw great revival sweep that whole nation. Shows you how powerful the Holy Ghost is. Then on the heels of that, we had the independent church movement start and the word of faith teaching begin. And we saw many churches like this one that rose up and began to teach the word of faith. Now, let me just say this. Word of faith is not a movement. Word of faith is a divine doctrine in the word of God that every church needs. Because the just shall live by faith. I said the just shall live by faith. I said the just shall live by faith. But let me just say something. God's getting ready again. I know it like I know my name. I mean, conferences like we were just in last week, our fall harvest conferences, other conferences that we've been, we see little sprinklings. We see little uh, drops of the glory and power of God. But I tell you, God is positioning us into such a place as when this thing gets turned up to its full level, we're going to be right in the middle of it in Jesus' name. You say, I don't know if I can handle that. Oh, yes, you can. You got to have it. I said, you got to have it. Much of the prophecies that have been given, much of, much of uh, Brother Kenneth E. Hagin had a prophecy back in the 60s. He talked about an individual being on television in Dallas. And there in Dallas, he would be speaking over the airways. And as he spoke over the airways, signs and wonders and miracles would begin to happen out in people's living rooms as they watched it on television. Then all of a sudden, that individual would be transferred, translated by the Holy Ghost all the way over to Los Angeles into another studio and just take his meeting off from there and begin to preach. And it would be a sign to people that God was moving. I talked about this vision in the, in the early service, then I went back and read it uh, during between services. A man named Tommy Hicks in 1961 had three dreams, three nights in a row. I just, I just went and read it just a few minutes. You can get on. Look, look up Tommy Hicks' vision. You'll see it in the, on, on the internet. He talked about seeing this, this, this massive uh, entity upon the earth. He had to look to see what it was, thought it might have been a mountain range. It was a giant strapped down to the earth, covered with filth. But then all of a sudden, it began to come to life. And he said, and it got up and shook itself. And it shook all that. He said, all that filth was demon powers that were trying to hold it back and hold it down. He said, it shook itself and lifted his hands up into the heaven. He said, when it lifted his hands up into the heaven, he said, the heavens turned to beautiful silver and began to glisten. And then all of a sudden, it said, like liquid silver began to come down into this giant. And it began to be energized by the power of God. And then all of a sudden, it began to break off and go to all the nations of the world. And the power of God began to operate through the little pieces of silver. Began to go here and begin to go there. And he began to see blind eyes open and, 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 and deaf people here and lame uh, uh, legs. And we begin to see all the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit in operation. I don't want that to happen after I die. I want it now. Everybody say now. That's why we're praying. That's why we're praying on Saturday nights. That's why we pray on Wednesday nights. That's why we intercede. That's why we pray in the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues. It's because we want to be right under the spout where the glory comes out. Amen. I mean, we've seen a sprinkling just, just this morning. Uh, 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 Brother Brian Fisher, one of the members of our church, 
He came to me, he had, he had open heart surgery, bypass surgery. And we prayed for him before, so he knew he had to have it. So we prayed for him before surgery. And he said, Rusty, I'm gonna tell you, after two days, I was ready to walk out of the hospital. He said, I'm gonna tell you the most phenomenal part. He said, they split my chest open. He said, I've had no pain. He said, I've had zero pain. What's a, that's supernatural, church. We've had people healed of diabetes. We've had people healed of cancer. We've had people who, who God put organs back into their body. Listen, that's just a sprinkling of it. We've got to stay connected to what the Spirit of God is doing. We've got to pray in the Holy Ghost. We've got to see that stirring. We've got too much to do, church. We're involved in nations all over the world. We're involved in the Philippine Islands. We're involved in, in, in Ireland. We're involved in Nicaragua. We're, listen, we're, we're involved in these nations, and God's raising up this church to see a great move of God on this island. Now, I don't talk much about experiences I've had in the Spirit, but one that was very unique when I first came back to the Lord, which, which when I read Tommy Hicks's vision, it tied right to it. And I uh, was just fasting, praying, keep trying to get some direction for God over Bible school. And, and all of a sudden, I was translated out, not physically, but in a vision, out to the South Jetty. I don't know if you've ever been out to the South Jetty. There's a very unique view of Galveston Island about halfway to three quarters of the way down the South Jetty. You can look back and you can kind of see the, 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 the profile of the island as it, as it rises up and goes, goes west. Now, when I saw it, it was dark. It was like a twilight scene. There was no real light. There was, I did not see the lights of the city. I could see the profiles of American National, Galvez Hotel, Flagship Hotel at the time, other different places I recognized, Balinese Room, I could see that. And then I looked up in the sky, and I don't know if you've ever noticed like when a norther comes in and the, and the clouds are real low. I saw a real low ceiling over this island. And all of a sudden I looked, it's like I blinked my eyes and I looked, and it wasn't clouds, it was faces of demons. And they were interconnected like this over this island. And I begin to look at that and I begin to think, my God, that's demon power. And then I saw, I'm telling you, you think of the smallest thread you've ever seen in your life. I saw a thread of light come off of this island and go up and pierce that, pierce that demonic stronghold over this island. Just, just I mean, just a, just a spin, I mean, smaller than, like a pin, like a needle, just a little thread. But when it did, you could see an explosion over the top of it. Boom! And then all of a sudden, through all of those demonic faces, came that liquid silver light, just fell upon this island. And this entire island began to glow with the life and the light of God. Well, God didn't show me that for no reason. Come on, church. Listen. Those that contend for that which God desires to do. We're studying the authority of the believer. It never happens without authority. We've got to walk in the authority and the power of God as a church. Not just me as a pastor, but as a church. Listen, when the enemy comes against you, you've got to rise up against it. And listen, those demon powers, they want to keep you suppressed. They want to keep you down. They don't want you full of the Holy Ghost. They don't want you full of the life and power of God. And they'll do everything they can do to suppress you and destroy you. But you've got to make a decision. I'm going to walk in the life of God. I'm going to walk in the power of God. I'm going to live the type of life that is exciting, that is full of life, that is full of holiness, that is full of righteousness. I'm going to see and I'm going to participate with the signs and the wonders and miracles. I'm not going to miss it in Jesus' name. 
That's the first prayer I prayed. I'll never forget. I got right with God on March the 4th, 19, March the 7th, 1984. March the, March the 4th, excuse me, March the 7th, March the 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, on Sunday, my dad's birthday, the 11th. I went up to the Assembly of God Church on 45th Street. I didn't even know what the preacher preached. I was just ready for him to be finished. I ran to the altar, lifted my hands. I'd already gotten back with God, but I'm telling the Holy Ghost, filled me full all the way to the top. I went home speaking in tongues. I got up, I took a nap, got up speaking in tongues, praying. Then I prayed this prayer with all the faith I had at that time. And I've reinforced it 10,000 times over. Lord, I do not want to miss what you do in the last days. I will pay any price. I'll go to any place on this planet. I'll do whatever it takes, but I do not want to miss the outpouring of your spirit, the great manifestation of the power of God. I want to be right there in the middle of it. And if you want the same thing, you've got to shake yourself loose from spiritual apathy and complacency. You've got to make a decision. It's worth living for God all out, 110% in every area and on every level of my life, level of your life. And if you will do that, I guarantee you will not miss what God not only is fixing to do, but what he's doing. But I'm telling you, it can happen like you flip a switch. Crisis in this world, problems in people's lives. I tell you, you, take a, you let a nuclear exchange happen someplace and you watch the church fill up. They'll fill up all over this city. The Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will fail for fear of that which is coming upon the earth. Well, my heart's not going to fail. My heart's going to be full of the life and the power of Almighty God. Amen. Lift your hands and worship God. Father, we worship you. Lord, we glorify your name. We exalt you. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. And we thank you for the Holy Ghost, for the outpouring of your spirit, for the life and power of God that flows in Jesus. Thank you for joining us. We trust you enjoyed the message today. For services and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.